0: In the portion of Vayetse, and similarly in the portion of Ayishlach, we speak about angels three times. They tell a story that a rabbi was coming to a new synagogue for a Prabh to try out to be the rabbi, and he brought a letter with him, a reference letter from another synagogue, and the president of the previous synagogue said, this rabbi is so special, he's like Moses, he's like Shakespeare, and he's like an angel. And the synagogue was so excited that without even hearing the rabbi, they right away gave him a contract for a lifelong contract. He gets up that Shabbos to speak, and... It is awful. It's terrible. He can't say two words straight. He doesn't make any sense. It was a misery. After Shabbos, the new president calls up the old president of the previous synagogue and says, what did you do here? You tricked me. You told me this rabbi is amazing and he's terrible. How could you lie to me like this? He says, what are you talking about? I told you the truth. I said he's like Moses. He's like Moses. Moses had a lisp. He has a lisp. <laughs> I told you he's like Shakespeare. Shakespeare was a drunk. He's a drunk. And I told you he's like an angel. He's like an angel. An angel's is Nishkei He's also Nishkei Mench. What is the meaning that Yaakov Avinu saw angels going up the ladder, going down the ladder, at the end of the parasha, he sees two sets of angels, he calls it Machanoim, and then he sends angels to his brother Asaph. Interesting to note that at the end of the Parsha, he sees two sets of angels in contrast to the beginning of the Parsha. In the beginning of the Parsha, it says he has a dream. He sees angels going up the ladder and then down the ladder. Rashi says, why first up, then down? Says Rashi, the logician, the classic commentator of the Torah, that the angels of Israel were going back up because they were the angels that were escorting Yaakov in the land of Israel. Now that Yaakov was leaving the land of Israel, by yetze, he was going out of the land of Israel. So now they cannot leave Israel, so they have to go back up. A second set of angels come down, And these second set of angels are escorting Yaakov into the diaspora, to Choram. Yet, when he comes back after being in the house of Laban for over 20 years, it says that he sees two sets of angels. He sees the set of angels that were escorting him in the house of Lavan in the diaspora. And now, the angels of Israel come outside of Israel, to greet him, and to escort him back into the land of Israel. So at this moment, he has two sets of angels. Right after that, we move on to Pashtun Yishlach, and it says how Yaakov sends angels to Esau. Now, we know the Torah is not simply a history book, but Torah means a lesson on daily life. What is the message, and what is the lesson of the total portion to all of us today. Ethics of our fathers tells us in chapter 4 Mishnah number 11 for every deed that we do we create an angel. If we do a good deed we create a good angel. If we do a bad deed we create a bad angel. A good word A good angel. A bad word, a bad angel. If we pronounce or mispronounce a word in the davening, in our prayers, we create a crippled angel. So, throughout the day, we are an angel factory. We are constantly producing angels every moment. Now, the soul of every one of us, started off in heaven, comes down to this world. And our job is to transform the world. But we have two general types of angels. We have the angels of Israel. And we have the angels of the diaspora. The angels of Israel are angels we create when we do holy things. We study Torah. We come together for a women's Torah class. We daven. We give tzedakah. We say tehillim. We light Shabbos candles. We have a Shabbos meal. When we do holy things, we are creating angels of Israel. Malachim of Eretz Yisrael. When we do earthly things, we eat and we drink and we do business and we play golf and we jog and we play tennis. We are creating earthly angels. Now, both of these angels are essential. Both of these angels are called Malache Elikim. They are called angels of God. Now what does it mean in a practical sense to have an angel of God? Now it doesn't say Malachi Havaye. Malachi Hashem. But rather it says Malachi Elokim. What's the difference between Malachi Elikim and Malachi Hashem? Elikim is one of the seven names of God that are holy names that one is not allowed to pronounce in vain or erase, God forbid. But each name has a different meaning. The Torah tells us that the name of Elukim represents koyach v'chayzik; It represents strength and energy. In other words, when we create an angel we are creating new strength and new energy. And the, the angel is being created from our strength and energy. In other words, the angel is beyond man. The angel is nishke Mench. An angel is not human. It's beyond our human capacity. When a person goes outside of their comfort zone, when the person goes outside of their nature, they are creating now angels. These angels represent their connection with God that is done through strength and energy and motivation. And it's done with koyach, with strength, with energy. In other words, when we do a mitzvah, and we do it with excitement, we do it with vitality, we do it with exuberance, we are now creating a strong, healthy angel, a malach elikim, an angel that is strong, an angel of God. This answers a statement in in Malachi. The angel or the prophet Malachi, who was called Malachi, according to many of the commentators, because he was like an angel of God. And he says, you will see the difference between the one who serves Elohim, to those who don't serve God. And the Gemara says, what's the difference between one who serves God and one who does not serve God says the Gemara, one who serves God studies the Talmud a hundred times. One who does not serve God, rather, one who does not serve God studies the Talmud a hundred times. One who serves God studies the Talmud a hundred and one times. The difference between not serving and one serving and yes serving is one time. In other words, it's going beyond your comfort zone. It's going beyond your nature. It's giving that extra push, that extra strength. That is the way we create Malachi Elikim, angels of God. Angels of God represent the person, the human being going and constantly growing and going beyond his nature. And therefore you have two types of angels. You have the angels of the diaspora who are called Malachi Elikim, and you have angels <laughs> Of God, which are called Malachi Eretz Israel, the angels of Israel. So, when we refine ourselves physically, we are now creating angels of the diaspora. And we continue to move higher and higher, we also refine ourselves spiritually. And therefore, we create now angels of God. Now, we can understand this through the, the following example that angels are also known as spiritual animals. They're known to be spiritual animals. <coughs> when it comes to an animal, the Torah tells us what is a kosher animal? One that chews its cud and has split feet. This is a kosher animal. And therefore this applies also to the Malachi Alikim, these spiritual animals, these angels of God. What is the meaning that a kosher animal has to have split feet. So first and foremost, the mere fact that we say that a kosher animal needs two signs, the number two in Judaism, and similarly the fact that Yaakov Avinu came to Machanoim, the camp, that had two sets of angels, implies the idea of infinity. Two represents infinity. For the Gemara says, pertaining to sending away the mother bird, you shall surely send her away, says the Gemara, even a hundred times. Now, the commentaries explain even a hundred times means even more than a hundred times. In other words, when you do something twice, it means you do it a third time, you do it a fourth time, you continue, you don't stop. And the same is true by the fact that the Torah says that you need two signs for a kosher animal implies that we always have to grow and constantly ascend higher and higher. But these two signs individually also represent a unique approach to how we have to serve God. The first thing is that the the animal has to be mafres esparso, which means it has to have split hoofs. It's going in two different directions. And that is a person in their life is constantly looking to grow. Even though right now we're doing one project And we're totally involved in that project. And we're like a malach alikim, that we put our strength and energy and focus into that project. At the same time, we're not stopping there, we have a second project on the other side, that we're ready to start. As soon as we finish this project, already in our minds, we say, as soon as we finish this, we're going to be doing that. Because we're growing spiritually. No matter how much we accomplished, even if I learn the Talmud a hundred times, I'm not stopping, I'm going to learn it a hundred and one times. I'm going beyond my comfort zone regardless how old or young we are. We don't believe in retirement. It's not, oh, I'm 20 years old, I'll do that. But I'm now already 99 years old. Now I can stop. Abraham, when he was 99 years old, underwent a major surgery called the brisvilla. He underwent circumcision. Why? Because you never stop growing. So this is true on the spiritual realm. Then you have the idea of chewing the cud. And that is... You take food, it's kosher food, but I'm chewing it, I'm digesting it, I'm using the energy for positive things, to do great things, to do important things. And I chew my cut a second time, because I realize even though the first time I ate it for the right reasons, which was to have strength to serve Hashem, you know what, I got to do it even more, even more refinement, to refine the body and to refine the soul. And that is why we find that Yaakov Avinu had two sets of angels. Machanoim. The angels of Israel, the angels outside of Israel, because it's a double refinement. It's refining the body and refining the soul. There are people who are very comfortable in the synagogue, very comfortable in a study hall. Now they're all holy and they're godly and they're spiritual. They come home, they become tigers. They become bears. They become lions, they become real, non-kosher animals. No. In Judaism there are two separate paths, there are two sets of angels. We have to work on the spiritual, you also have to work on the physical. To be a mensch, how you talk to people, how you talk to your wife, how you talk to your husband, how you talk to your kids, how you deal with people in business. To be honest, it should be a win-win situation. It should be good for everybody, not to deceive the customers, not to deceive your partners, not to deceive the fellow members, etc., etc. There should be an open conversation. And that is the way we refine the animals of the angels of the diaspora and the spiritual angels of the land of Israel. And this is the message that when Yaakov was in the diaspora, he had two sets of angels to remind us that even when a Jew is outside of Israel, even when a Jew and a person is in exile, they're going through difficult times. They shouldn't say, well, now I'm going through difficult times. I can't think about spirituality. I got to think about survival. I got to think about, you know, my food and my, my bread and my water and my shelter. I can't think about prayer and and God and spirituality. No. Yaakov was outside of Israel. He wasn't Chodron, but yet he had two sets of angels. Because he realized, and he's teaching us who we are his children. No matter where we find ourselves in the world, we always have this double mission to refine the body and to refine the soul. So therefore, when he was outside of Israel, he had two sets of angels. But already when he was in Israel, implying that he was more refined, now his primary focus was to elevate and to ascend and to transcend even more spiritually. But yet, after we end the Pasha Vayetse, we talk about two sets of angels at the beginning of the Pasha, at the end of the Pasha. Immediately we move on to Pasha Vayishlach, and again it opens up with angels. Why? What's happening here? Why are Yaakov was Yaakov sending angels to Esau? to tell us and to teach us that this is our global mission, that this is the concept of Er Lagoyim to be a light unto all the nations of the world. That yes, it's true. You start with yourself. We have to be better people, and you have to refine your body, refine your soul. That's great, but we didn't finish. The ultimate goal is to refine the nations of the world. Our neighbors, our friends, our community, and then the world at large. So Yaakov now sends to Esau. Esau represents Rome, represents today America, represents the rest of the world. He sends these angels to rectify and to refine Esau. This also comes back to the original story of Yaakov having the dream. We said earlier that Yaakov had a dream when he left his father's home and he saw angels going up the ladder and going down the ladder and Rashi tells us these were the angels that were escorting him. But the Nambam has a different interpretation. The Namam says these represent the nations of the world, the enemies of the Jewish people who are going to arise and who are going to fall. And it's also associated with the four different animals that are kosher only with one sign. So they're not really kosher. They pretend to be kosher. You have the camel, the hyrax, and the hare. These three animals chew their cud, but they don't have split hoofs. Then you have a fourth animal, which is the chazir, which is the, the pig. And that has split hoofs, but doesn't chew its cud. So the chazir sticks its uh, feet out and says, look, I'm kosher. But really, he's not kosher. So the first three animals, the camel, the and under here, represent Persia, Greece, and Babylon. They're going to go up, they're going to rise to power, and then they're going to fall. But the final exile and the final power is the Chazir, representing Rome, the children of asaph And they're going to go up. It's going to take a long time for them to come down. That's why in the Torah, in the portion of Re'eh, we find that the first three animals are in one verse. And the Chazir is in a second verse. It's on a verse, in a verse of its own, implying that it's gonna have the length of time, which is even more than the first three exiles. And we see now that the first exile lasted for seventy years, and then we went to, to we had the problem with Hanukkah, with Greece, etc. etc. And we had the problem with, with Babylon and Persia. But this final exile is lasting a long time. Over 1900 years. So, we have fulfilled our obligation. It's already a long exile. It has a verse on its own. And it's time, as the Talmud says, that the chazir, the pig, is going to return and become kosher. That's the meaning of chazir. To chazir, is going to return and become kosher. In other words... That, that Rome and the children of asaph are going to be refined and they're going to come back. And it's interesting that only this fourth animal will be kosher, not the other three. Because the, the, the feet represent action. That the action of the chazir is good, but the intentions are not so good. So when Mashiach will come, the intentions will be transformed. We are living in a world that the action is the main thing. Mice And therefore, if our actions are good, even though sometimes our intentions are not so good, that's more important. So here we have the entire Parsha of the week. Vayetse, and then Vayishlach. That generally we have an obligation to create angels. We do this by giving it our best, by giving it our all. Everything we do, we do with tremendous zest, with excitement, with exuberance. And that is the way we create these angels that bring light and energy and blessing to the world. But it's not enough that we have one set of angels. We've got to have two sets of angels. Which means everything we do, we've got to double. Everything we do, we always have to increase. Everything we do, we have to do more and more. Never to be complacent with our deeds. To end with a quick story. Many years ago, when we first started here in Brooklyn Heights, I had the great pleasure and the great merit to bring community people from Brooklyn Heights Sunday mornings to the Rebbe, to Lubavitcher Rebbe, to get blessings and dollars. And we did this very, very often. And I took one, one person, one by the bus, his name is Steve Cohen, to the Rebbe. And I went by the Rebbe and the Rebbe gave him a dollar. And he told the Rebbe, I'm so excited to be here. We're doing amazing work in Brooklyn Heights. We have a shul, we have a preschool. And we're building a mikvah. And the Rebbe said to him, double as much, twice as much. He says, wow, the Rebbe is really challenging me. Twice as much. A few months later, he comes back. He says, Rebbe, we're doing twice as much. And the Rebbe smiled at him. And he smiled at me. And he said, You're in competition with the rabbi. And that was a partnership that the Rebbe created. But the Rebbe said twice as much. He didn't only mean to do twice as much and stop. But as the Rebbe would say very often, the Gemara tells us, a person who acquires $100 wants $200. When you have $200, you want $400. When you have $400, you want $800. And the same is true with mitzvahs. Always do twice as much. Whatever you did, and yet you accomplished, never, never rest on your laurels, but constantly grow to make sure you have machanayim, to make sure you have always these two camps of angels with you, to refine the physical, to refine the spiritual, and very, very soon to see the return of Yaakov and the children of Yaakov, and also the children of Esau. And it says, V'olum, <laughs> Mashi'im, the least part is the Mashiach will come. He will judge the people of Esau. And then to God there will be the kingship throughout the entire world. Through the coming of Mashiach, from Heda, Amen.